One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, what a week of tennis we have just enjoyed. And Catherine Whitaker and myself, David Laura, here to talk about it here on The Tennis Podcast I mean, most importantly of all, Catherine, uh, I, I got my first ever set against Solly Hall Simon. But enough of that. Uh, we'll, we'll get on to that in a little while, um, because obviously that's what people really want. But we'll, we'll first of all, I think, talk about Nick Kyrgios uh, winning uh, Acapulco. Before that, we'll talk about Roger Federer getting his 100th uh, ATP and Grand Slam title in, in total, 100 titles in all over the last uh, 18 years. I mean, it's extraordinary to think. We'll be talking about all of that because it really has been the most fantastic week of of tennis two ATB 500 events going on at the same time a women's event in Acapulco two slightly lower level that one but just stories galore coming out of Dubai and Acapulco but first of all Catherine a very huge congratulations uh, for getting the opportunity to present Amazon Prime videos coverage from Indian Wells and the rest of the year it's coming up you're packed you're ready to go you've got your electric toothbrush packed you've just been telling me about it how exciting. Oh, thanks very much, David. I've bumped uh, Roger Federer's 100 down the pecking order. <laughs> well, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm biased on this show. What can I say? I was just having a whinge to you about how annoying I find it there are, that there are certain things that you can't pack until the last minute. I mean, I know it's the ultimate first world problem, but it irritates me so much. And before people say, oh, you just get a second toothbrush, I, I, I feel like it's too decadent to have two sexy um electric toothbrushes one that only gets used a few weeks a year there's two there's you know anyway i digress <laughs> i just have the yes. one one excellent electric toothbrush but i can't right. pack it until 7am tomorrow morning and that's really annoying okay. me it will right. cause me to lose sleep tonight but apart from that uh minor <laughs> minor annoyance yes i'm very excited and very delighted Yes, and uh, Catherine will be going there for the full duration of Indian Wells, um, presenting Prime Video's coverage alongside people like Sam Smith and Daniela Hantagova and Mark Becci and Nick Lester, Robbie Koenig, and I'm forgetting somebody, I can't remember who. Greg. Oh, Greg Rosetsky. Sorry, Greg. Uh, I know you listen, uh, but anyway, that lot. Uh, He's not listening. Catherine- no, no, he'll be he'll be listening. He's saving it for the plane, Catherine. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yes, so she'll be out there in uh, in Indian Wells um, presenting the coverage in the UK. If you're not in the UK, and sorry, Ireland. but you know we'll we'll tell you the best bits, and uh, we'll uh, we'll also uh, we'll also do regular. If you're not in the podcasts. UK or Ireland, then I was great. Yeah, that, let's just leave it at that. Fine, yeah. I, I I would go with that too. Um, right, 
this this for this week of tennis it's it's just been so full of incident storylines incredible tennis drama controversy and yet only the the kind of good bits of that have really happened to Roger Federer haven't they over the last week because just as I predicted uh, in the newsletter that we put out and we put a prediction in every week's newsletter Roger Federer got his 100th ATP singles title well I say ATP it's not just ATP is it because it includes Grand Slams but well, well, I don't Grand know. Slams we're, are we're, ATP ratified or endorsed. Yes, if they you are, like. aren't they? Yeah. Um, but it is uh, what, what. First of all, the, the achievement itself, the title he won. He started slowly, didn't he? In as much as I think a couple of his first matches went three sets, but by the end, when he beat Stefanos Tsitsipas yesterday, six four six four, he was really flying. Yeah, he was absolutely motoring, wasn't it? As he was against. Borna Choric in the semi-finals, which was just no contest at all. I know Borna Choric was. I mean, he looked like he barely had the energy to to do the the walk out onto court and and the wave. Um, so it felt that had a, that match had a feeling of being over before it even started. Um, Sitsipas, I, I sense, was probably just as tired deep down, um, but came on to court with a sort of defiant I'm not going to let that be the be the story of today um but uh, well which it wasn't I think the story of the day aside from the headline of 100th career title for Federer was that he was he was brilliant wasn't he He was smooth as silk I mean his his volleying I know there's nothing new left to say about anything relating to Roger Federer um but his volleying was just divine his the 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 canniness of his play there's no question he'd learned from from what happened in uh, australia against sitsapass you know he 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 came out there with kind of perfect tactics and uh, perfect execution and uh, an unsha- a shave sorry very crucially uh, got that wrong there a shaven chin Yes, because we, we had been talking to to Grad Matt, who's who's provided some some magnificent stats over the last few days. Um, one of which uh, he and I concocted or, or conjured up was the fact that we we couldn't remember a single title that he had won with a beard. And uh, we we there's a there's a a picture. Somebody had taken a a, a, a montage picture of of every single trophy he's lifted and you saw him and the, the i think there was one there was one in shanghai in 2007 where he's he's got a bit of a beard but is it actual beard though i'm not sure that was beard mm. i think that might have been just i've forgotten to shave well so, and certainly the the early years when he was in 2001 when he won his first title in milan i mean that was not a beard that was bum fluff that was the sort of thing that i'm still trying to grow um in my 40s uh, but the the fact is that yeah i mean i know i know it's a ridiculously unscientific thing to to come up with well except uh, that podcast, david but, you know. except that he had a beard for the week and shaved for the final yes well you want to look your best don't you when you're lifting your 100th trophy Maybe that's why. Maybe that's what he does every time. I I, I I mean, I I genuinely think, you know, Roger Federer, a friend of Anna Wintour, etc., etc., owner of, you know, multiple... uh, We were speculating on the the Tennis Podcast group WhatsApp about whether he would have some sort of 100 or century-themed item of clothing in his bag, pre-packed, ready for the trophy ceremony. But it seems that he... 
learned maybe a little lesson from Wimbledon 2009 where he had the we had the five crowns um <clears throat> already emblazoned on the ja- embroidered onto the jacket was it five at that point 2009 yeah I can't remember it was can't remember when he I mean, had the, you know what i'm talking about when he had the yes the and he blazer. had his he had his t-shirt i think with eight on it at wimbledon yes uh, last yes. time he won it there but, but i mean but, you know people do I, love this I stuff his fans but yeah i think he had a thought in the back of his mind for 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 what the photos would look like you know 100th career title those are photos that are going to sort of live forever aren't they mm. and i think he wanted them i think he wanted a timeless federer perhaps yes, to feature in those photos you Quite know nice. not a dated federer no no <laughs> uh by the Be- way beard, beards will age less well than a than a bare chin probably i wouldn't know i maybe. can't grow on i've been trying <laughs> many a time um but you talked about how there's there's not much more to say about Federer because he's won all of these titles. And what have you got, you know, David? What have you got to well, say? Hit me. I think that I think what what I have got to say is the fact that we've gone through another period of wondering whether he has got it in him anymore. I feel uh, of late, and I, I still feel like yeah. But this is best of three sets. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll get on to Nick Kyrgios in a little while, and there's um, and even Alexander Zverev as well. There is there is such a difference between winning at a slam over five sets, which Federer is the greatest male player we've ever had at doing it. But at the age of thirty seven, thirty eight this year, there is that question mark. But up against a guy in a shot making contest like Sitsipas who had beaten him last time, who actually really fancies himself against Federer and fancies himself, frankly, against anybody, which is one of the things that is so, I find, s- slightly endearing, but but certainly engaging about Sitsabas, the fact that he, he steps onto the court and I don't find it disrespectful of an opponent. I find it just, um, it's it's a total self-belief and it's shock if it doesn't work in his his eyes he thinks he's got the game and he he was prepared to go toe to toe with federer and i found it really interesting that this time it was federer's turn i do think maybe sitsabas was a little a little fatigued i do think that the court surface is probably plays into federer's hands there i mean how many has he won there several um and but he can still do it. He and he did adapt a little bit for this match. He he was short in those rallies and he he took it to Sitsabas and and he won. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that was the yeah the tactical genius of it all. And um, I mean, still a brilliant week for Sitsabas. He he was so wonderfully um, open with with um, how important it was and how fixated he was uh, on reaching the top 10, making his debut in the top 10. He said, I think about it every day. Rather, <laughs> you know, we're so used to, to hearing the autopiloted, you know, I don't think about the rankings. Um, you know, I just take each match at a time and, and, and trust that the ranking will come. No, uh, Stefano Sitsipas is opening the ATP rankings homepage every single day and sort of hitting refresh. <laughs> Every 30 seconds just to see if anything's changed. Um, and I love that. <laughs> I love yes. that. So, um, And of course, he's got very little to defend for for 
many months really i know i mean he doesn't he feels like he's been a top 10 player for a long time doesn't he because of the run he's had over the last four or five months but you're right i mean he has still got some serious inroads to make into that top 10 if he has another good six months right now too right yeah too right it's just another little footnote that's emerged from various bits of coverage um from journalists on on the ground uh, in Dubai. Um, I had actually forgotten this, but Roger Federer was accused of of tanking, wasn't he, um, in Dubai more than a decade ago. I think it was in maybe 2002. 2002, that that's, long that's ago. That's what he said, yeah. Uh, because that would, and that would figure because that was pre-him being Roger Federer, really. I mean, that was before his first Grand Slam, you know. Um, and I mean, look back then. It was he, he did used to throw in performances where you just roll in your eyes. It was against Fabrice Santoro, who I think c- could make the best of them roll their eyes <laughs> back in the day. Um, <laughs> but he he sort of admitted to it, didn't he? In, in uh, his post win press conference um, a couple of days ago, he said he said he talked about how it made him learn the hard way. So yeah. not an explicit confession, but um, yeah. And I think after that, didn't he win three Dubai titles on the bounce after that um, after that incident? So yeah. Well, that's what I like and, about And here Terry. he is, he's he 37, he he's still learning. Doesn't shy away from his early years. Um, actually, hold on a minute. In 2002, he lost second round to Rainer Schuttler, 6-3, 6-1. I mean that is a that is an absolute hammering, and then yes, he he then beat uh, Yuri Novak in the final in o three. Ah, uh, was it Santoro that went on to win the title that year? Maybe that's Might why I'm been. thinking um, of, of Fabrice. Uh, Sorry, Fabrice has snuck in to the 04, podcast. Oh four, you like this? Oh four, he beat Lopez, and then oh five in the final, he beat Ivan Lupicic. <laughs> so oh, there you go, wow. Ivan. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's got quite a history at that tournament. I mean, he lives there, as you say. It all it all suits him brilliantly. Despite the, uh, it was really windy there this year, wasn't it? Really windy, and sometimes yes. that is not great for single handed backhands. Luckily, he was playing another single handed backhand in the final. But you can see some one, very spectacular shanks. Oh six was the one year I went to Dubai, and um, and he played Nadal in the final. I'm just just looking this up, and he lost. 6-4 in the third to Nadal. And I remember watching that at the time and being really taken aback. I mean, this is, you know, I think after Nadal's first French Open triumph. So they'd barely played each other. Um, but that was that was a, a really shocking moment because, that, I mean, 06 was a year that Federer got, what, I mean, what, he lost about three or four matches in the whole year? Um, I mean, it's... Um, that is quite quite a moment, um, and I remember just seeing that. And 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 Federer won the first set six two, uh, and Nadal looked just shell shocked, but he just wore him down. But yes, I I like the fact that Federer is quite candid about his early career. He doesn't pretend that he wasn't immature, that he he didn't let himself down because he did let himself down at times. And, you know, we'll talk about Kyrgios in a little bit, but and it wasn't to that degree, but he was so emotional, Federer, that he would he would lose the plot. And in I was just thinking back to two thousand and one when he won that title in Milan. He that was pro his, for, that was his first. Yeah. yeah. He he'd he'd been pro for two or three years at that point. And Yeah, he doesn't look that young in the photo. I mean obviously he looks 
young, but he yeah. doesn't can, can, compared to some of the the baby faced chaps we've got doing things these days. He, I mean, if, you know, he looked if, like a man, a fully formed human man. It felt like a big deal that that he won the title uh, at the time, but the the fact is he'd had a number of losses. I mean, I remember a year earlier he'd he'd had I think match point against Mark Rosse in Marseille and lost that, and he was tearful after that. He he played uh, the Milan predecessor. He had moved actually from London. It was in London for three years at the Battersea Park tent, and then at the uh, London Docklands Arena um, in two thousand at a tournament where Federer beat Goran Ivanovic in a match where they they both had ponytails, and then uh, and then he lost to to Rosse, and again was just in tears. This was happening regularly back then. Um, and yeah, Julian Boutet is the man that he beat in that Milan final. Ooh. And there's this great stat unearthed uh, by ATP Media Info, which uh, which Matt's put in our agenda here, that back then in 2001, the other 31 players in that draw have all retired now. <laughs> and the, the the surface on which that tournament was played, indoor carpet, is no longer used at all anywhere in tennis because it used to be this lightning quick surface that Goran Ivanisevic basically had to look at in order to win uh, on it and it was just deemed too fast for tennis so they, they no longer use it anymore um, so yeah Federer's won on literally everything um, and it will be interesting now won't it to see whether he can get anywhere near Connors on 109 which is the record yeah I mean, it sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But he's already confirmed he's going to play Dubai again next year. So he'll be 38 and a half by that point. So he's obviously feeling bullish about it all. He is, but at the same... I mean, I thought he... I mean, you might say it's just a diplomatic answer, the one he gave when he when he was asked about if he was if he thought he could get close to, to Connors. And, and he said, I'm at, I'm at a stage of my career now where I don't need to hold all the records. And... I I looked at him and I thought I I think I believe you. <laughs> I don't I don't know whether you, I don't know how you. But view I, that. I think he might feel differently if he's on a hundred and eight. Yes, no, I, I agree think because I I think there's no point in making that the be all and end all because I think it's probably it's more likely that it won't happen at this stage. So there's no point in 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 making that the 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 goal. A bit mm. like the, you know, the the WAF about, you know, the, focus on the wins and and the rankings will come. You know, focus on, focus on winning, winning the tournaments you enter and and the record will come. But if he gets to one hundred and seven, one hundred and eight, I think suddenly he'll be thinking about that every waking minute. Possibly. Do you think he will get close to that? I think he'll. I think he might get close enough that we start talking about it more. I think. I. I. As I say, I think. If I had to say now whether he'll do it, I think no. But you could see him, you know, imagine he gets to 105. Imagine the um, ATP 250 tournaments, the ones with the slightly easier draw sheets usually that that might be thinking, oh, maybe I could uh, lure in Roger Federer with the offer of a, a slightly softer run to a hundred seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth title could get interesting. Sudden, suddenly, he's playing. You know, if he played in Rio next week, <laughs> last week, sorry, that he would have been the heavy favourite in the draw. Clay on or clay? not clay? Really? Well, 
after the first round, when every every top seed had, had gone, would would you not put him as the favourite against or Auger Aliassim and Jer? And actually, looking at do you know what I I felt as though it had been a long time since he'd won a title, but actually. He won four titles last year. He won Basel, Stuttgart, Rotterdam, and, and the Australian Open. Before the year before that, he won seven. In twenty fifteen, he won six. So, I mean, he's going to play next year. So he's already won one this year. If he were to win four this year and four next year, then yeah, I mean, yeah. I know that sounds uh, like it, a big assumption, but it's still. all about the schedule. Yeah, if he's going to do it. It will require some nifty manoeuvring on the schedule, I think. You know, somewhere mm. like Budapest might be rubbing yeah. its hands together. <laughs> yeah. Well, 54% on the pole vault say do you think uh, he, he won't could play, do it. Do you think he could play Queens and Haller? Like fly, <laughs> fly between the two? That's illegal, I think. And, Is and it actually? He, if they had to create a yes. rule to cover that? Yeah, no, I mean, the only time I've ever seen somebody play twice in the same week was Tim Henman when he played the Telford Nationals, uh, <laughs> won it, and then flew all the way to, I think, Munich to play in the Grand Slam Cup, I think it was, or something like that. Uh, we're going back about 20 years. Um, there was also the one where Joe Wilfred Songer, I think, or was it Joe Fred Songer? Yes, it was, who who played in the Challenger in Surbiton, Surbiton. won that, and then played qualifying at Queen's the same My day. My first ever year at Queen's, David. Oh. And Stefano Sitsipas will be having his first ever year at Queen's this year. That's a that's a nice signing for us, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, there are, there are people that make you buy tickets that you say, I, I will pay money to watch that person. And uh, he's on that list for sure, I think, for most yeah. tennis fans. So, yeah, I think that's awesome. And tickets are available, so you can go and get some if you'd like now. Lots of fantastic segues here, Catherine. Well done. You're setting me up beautifully. Um, so, Federer's won Dubai. Um, what are, did anything else notable happen in the week that you want to talk about? I'm trying um, to think who, who beat who. Into, he oh, got to yeah. semi-finals. He backed up Marseille to an extent, I think perhaps to more of an extent than um, than we might all have been expecting from him. Yeah, he looks really in great form doesn't he and he he's throwing himself at people rather than just yeah he hit a he hit 174 kilometer per hour forehand crikey um against that, that, and that is the game on feast that i want to see yes just chuck everything more at of opponent. that please the other game on feast that i want to see is is the one that alongside his girlfriend alina svislina gets video bombed by roger federer because that <laughs> was unquestionably a highlight of my week if you haven't seen yeah. it it is all over the internet make sure you see it yes the internet is useful sometimes and in this instance it they're, is they're trying to do a cutesy couples video for their joint instagram page which we've referenced reference before gems life uh and uh, roger federer just sneaks up behind them like an uncool dad and 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 it's mm-hmm. just it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant and i can vouch for the fact that it was very uncool dad like because that is exactly the sort of thing that i do on a regular basis um right uh joe salisbury british player and his american partner rajiv ram won the doubles title so well done to joe they're in the top eight in the race to london that just about wraps up uh, dubai 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. On to Acapulco, Catherine, because... Let's go loco. We've got to go loco because everybody else has out there. <laughs> yeah. Nick Kyrgios. Living up to the name. Seemed as though he was going loco on a number of occasions <laughs> over the course of the week. I mean, the, I don't really know where to start. I mean, first of all, Catherine, just to reel off the people that he beat, Andreas Seppi in the first round, Rafael Nadal second round, Stan Wawrinka in the quarterfinals, John Isner in the semis, I think in a third set tiebreak, and then in the final, Alexander Zverev, and he beat him 6-4, 6-3, it was interesting to see that Zverev actually had more break points, but when you're watching the match, it didn't feel like that. It always felt like Kyrgios was in control. and But th- that doesn't even come close to describing the week of tennis that we've witnessed because I think we saw just about every single side of Kyrgios. Ultimately, it was all wonderful, but we saw everything, didn't we? Oh, we did. <laughs> and... There's so much to see with Nick Kyrgios because um, he's everything, isn't he? He's, Has he dragged you back in he's again? He's awful and wonderful all at once. He's um, <laughs> ah, Has he dragged me back in again? I'm trying not to frame it in that way because I, I, I am trying, David, 
to celebrate this this wonderful achievement of Kyrgios's as just that, a wonderful achievement, and not fall into the trap of thinking, but what does this mean? Does this mean that <laughs> Kyrgios has turned a corner? Does this mean he's, you know, going to start doing Pilates and sort his posture out? Does this mean he's going to hire a coach? Does this mean he's going to, you know, have a lobotomy and change his personality completely and start being a really <laughs> committed knuckle-down tennis player? The answer to all of those things is is no. He could still, you know, rock up and win Indian Wells next week. Absolutely. I'm just not going to think about whether that's more or less likely than it was two weeks ago because, or a week ago, because it's kind of irrelevant, isn't it? Nick Kyrgios, I, I, I haven't learned anything new about Nick Kyrgios this week. I've been pleasantly and in some ways unpleasantly reminded of, of lots of things about him uh, and they've been renewed in my mind. Um, but nothing's new and one brilliant week is something we've seen from Kyrgios before. So let's, well, I, I'm not prepared to do the Kyrgios dance of, of, but what if? What does this mean? You you can there's do it. A, you can do dance. it on your own if you like. But yeah, it will be well, a monologue. I was doing it a few times this week. Um, <laughs> and where did you get to? Where did you end up? Well, I mean, first of all, let's just let's just tell you what the, about the week a little the, the the ups and downs of it because against Nadal he had both knees strapped. He lost the first set. He was basically saying that he was going to quit, that he was going to retire from the match. He felt sick. There'd been a bug going around the whole place. And he was having treatment repeatedly throughout the match. Um, he was match points down, 6-3 down in the third set tie break, which is one of the most extraordinary comebacks I've ever seen, really, given the two players that you got on the court. I mean, two of the, two of the match points he saved were drop shots, which became a theme of the week. It became arguably his most potent weapon throughout the course of the week was the drop shot um and then he he nadal double faulted it felt like his gr brain was just scrambled and it reminded me of that quote from um jeff tarango years and years ago when nadal was at his absolute peak how, how'd you beat nadal what would you do i'd get in his kitchen he said and scramble his brains um because what else can you do when he's playing at his absolute best? Then you had the match against Vavrinka, which was just a shot maker's paradise. These two players just teeing off with bullets at each other. That was a fantastic win uh, with a few ups and downs as well. And I mean, in these two matches as well, the crowd were going at Kyrgios in a way that I don't think I've ever seen any crowd. They really didn't like what he was putting up there at times they were totally against him and and the worse that got the more he seemed to enjoy it and and, and almost bring bring it on himself as though he wanted it um and then you had the the match in against John Isner which revealed to me what an incredible returner of the serve that Kyrgios is against a big server his ability to just see a ball coming at him at peak speed and middle it back on particularly on the backhand side i've seen him do that against feliciano lopez with the swinging left-handed serve he has that ability with the short-armed stab of a backhand to to get it back and then in the final frankly he made and i've seen him do this a few times against Zverev. he made him look one-dimensional Zverev is a, is a brilliant tennis player who hits every single tennis shot it looks almost correctly, you know, and, and they come with power and they come relentlessly. And he just 
it was like he he just stuck a a spanner in the workings of this robot and just made it malfunction and he did it with drop shots and off pace slice balls cross court and and bomb serves and then a kicker serve out wide it, it was like watching a six foot four inch John McEnroe playing a different single ball every single shot and and just getting this tall guy at the far end off balance it was it was just a joy to watch as a tennis spectacle but where do I what do I take from it all <laughs> I I I I see it differently like you I see it differently these days I don't think right now what I just think oh wow that was good that yeah. was really good fun I enjoy, so enjoyed that and I've I've become more at peace with that I think uh, yeah, I mean, because we the, haven't had it, have we? The mastery of of the tennis, of the of the tennis brain, and I'm not even sure it necessarily is, is brain. I don't mean that. Um, I, I don't mean that as an insult. I think it's so instinctive to him. It's it's like it's like he he was born within the the confines of a tennis court, and that's that those dimensions are so sort of deeply ingrained in his DNA. And, and I don't know, yeah, the as you say, the the drop shots and when to play them. I mean, there was one point in the final against Verev was Verev got so visibly irritated, angry. Um, enraged at Kyrgios for for hitting for for making him look foolish with, with a run to a a drop shot. He he, you know, Kyrgios was celebrating his drop shot winner up at the net, and and Zverev is looking bereft there, and he looks at him like, "How dare you humiliate me like that?" Um, and he made he made Zverev look so plodding. He made he made Zverev look like. Do you remember when I? Um, watched almost the entirety of Nishikori um against uh it was Karenia Buster, wasn't it? Uh at the Australian Open. And it was a it was a brilliant match with lots of drama and long rallies, but it's it sort of occurred to me halfway through that it it looked like nobody was trying to win the point, that they were just enjoying hitting it back to one another. Kyrgios made Zverev look like he wasn't that bothered about winning points, that he was just sort of hitting the ball, soft pace um comfortably inside all the lines um not really trying to get his opponent on the move too much not really trying to do too much with it just sort of yeah ordinary he made him look really ordinary like he he wasn't trying to win the point as much as Kyrgios was and surely a tactic with Kyrgios has got to be to to get him on the move to get him into uncomfortable positions Kyrgios looked just so comfortable all the time he was just completely in command um it was it was extraordinary it was just an absolute piece of wizardry that and, and did you notice as well that in that final there was no strapping on the knees there was no whining complaining about feeling everything's well and, in his mind david well the vast apart majority from, is. apart from those shoulders which need some that, that the posture distresses me david he must be yeah. he must be sort of aching all the time that some, I mean, you know, and, somebody and give those shoulders a massage he te- he teases himself in post-match interviews doesn't he about how look Zverev is the model professional what a role model he is he does everything right me I have to hit drop shots because I'm not as fit as him and I can't keep going in the rallies as long you know he, he pokes fun of fun at himself which does indeed you to him a bit but 
the, yeah, but to deal with the <laughs> to deal with the counter to that, yes, he he does have the capacity to be very self-aware and self-effacing, and that is endearing. But then you've also got the Instagram post that he put up after the after the victory over Nadal, when really all he needed to do was, I mean, he did all the talking on the court, not just with his tennis, but with his reactions. You know, he lets you know how he's feeling. He d- he didn't need to say anything, and yet he said no. not just something. He said, I mean, I almost don't want to repeat it because it was sort of borderline slanderous. But um, yeah, no, it was it was uncomfortable to to look at it, and and as you say, I felt it was unnecessary as well. But the thing with him is, the, you even go through these undulations in the course of a week watching him. I mean, we've always said you you can do the same in a match. You can't take your eyes off him. You don't know what's coming next. All the good things that you get. And there's a couple of things. One is it, it reminds me of watching him against Nadal when he was getting booed and, and a lot of people were, were, were chiming in and a lot of and I think we have tired of, of the circus in, in recent times because he's just not doing any not been doing anything to back it up. You know, it's all well and good doing all this stuff if you're still progressing and winning, but he's been going down in the rankings. But in terms of his behaviour and, and all that sort of thing, what I don't want to see is him not owning it. Him him acting like that and then blaming everybody else for it you know either you are up for a fight and you're going to take people on and you're going to shush people and all that sort of stuff or or you're not don't don't try and have it both ways um and i remember back in in the day when marcelo rios was world number one and i remember his he had a a piece written about him in sports illustrated on the front cover the most hated man in tennis and he was world number one at the time. And it was just such a – it was regarded as such a damaging article for the sport that you got this guy at the top who was world number one and everybody hated him and, he, and his attitude was appalling and all this sort of thing. And I remember sitting in a – back when I was at the ATP and I remember sitting in a, a PR brainstorming meeting about what do you do about this situation. And I, I was of the opinion, well, look, if he wants to be the bad guy – let him be the bad guy. Let's promote him as the bad guy. Let's say he's the Darth Vader of tennis. Fine. If he wants it that way, let's let's not pretend he's some great guy because he's not. Um, and with Kyrgios, I just feel there's a mixture in there. And, and I think Kyrgios wants you to think he's a great guy. And I think in many ways he is a great guy. But he's... He's an awful lot of things, as well as being a great guy. But I think he's, it also... he's, he's not a he's not a headline. But he also makes people write a lot of headlines about him. But he just doesn't fit into he, 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 a thousand words isn't enough to describe all no. the and all the complexity. It's like it's like I was listening back to um, to our our show after the the U.S. Open final this year with Serena and Osaka and. Serena's the same. She's all sorts of things. She's at once a inspirational role model, incredible woman, and also, you know, somebody that can make you feel quite uncomfortable and and do behave badly and do bad things. And of course, subsequently, she's she's not taken any ownership of of the bad things she did at the U.S. Open, really. So that's disappointing. But she's still an inspiration. Um, but these things don't fit neatly into headlines, do they? The other thing is, and twice over the course of this week watching Nick Kyrgios, twice he has made me think of the the boxer Tyson Fury, 
once when he made that mm-hmm. comeback against Nadal, which just seemed so absurd that he would come back from 6-3 down in a tiebreak against Nadal on match point. Who, who does that? I can't think of anybody who's done that against Nadal before. And that's it reminded me of Tyson Fury getting knocked apparently spark out in the final round by Deontay Wilder, the biggest puncher in the in the sport, and just sitting up at nine and getting to his feet and then subsequently outboxing him and almost knocking the other guy out at the end of the fight. And also, the quotes of Kyrgios after the, the final, talking about the dark places that he's been to and, and saying that if if I can come through those, then, then, then you, if you're struggling, so can you, because I was in a really bad way. And... Fury has had a lot of publicity from being for being very vocal about his mental health issues, and I don't like. I don't want to talk too presumptively about Kyrgios because I don't know the guy. I don't know his specific case and how severe his issues might have been. I, I have no knowledge of it, but I could imagine that he is somebody who does have incredible ups and downs, and a lot of people do. It doesn't. I think we can look at tennis players and celebrities and sports stars and sometimes think oh why aren't they doing what this why aren't they doing that and we don't really know what they're going through mentally and I do wonder how how Kyrgios is wired to be quite honest so I always try to bear that in mind um but just in terms of viewing where he is and, and, and everything else and all this stuff about whether he's good for the game or not good for the oh, game. Oh, we're not doing that, David. Look, look, the only thing I want to say is He's this. good and bad for the game. He is. End all of I story. want to say about it is the only thing I want him to be is relevant and to be playing at a level more often that makes us talk about him because talking about him is entertaining. But frankly, over the last 18 months, he's largely been in irrelevance. And I, that is what I don't want. Do you know what I want? Go on. More pictures of Nick Kyrgios wearing a sombrero <laughs> and holding a large silver pear. <laughs> i tell you what, next time I'm experiencing ups and downs, I will look at that photo and it will cheer me right up. <laughs> I dare say. I dare say. Well, he, he also, Catherine, against Rafa Nadal, hit an underarm serve which prompted a a heated exchange of views between yourself and i over whatsapp um what's your view uh, of 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 the underarm serve of nick kuros because i think it's absolutely fine and anybody can do one any time and i've no issue with it uh well as somebody pithily summed up for me on twitter i'm really sorry i can't remember quite who it was but i am going to look up now um i i'm it, it's within the rules therefore you know go for your life do it as long as it's within the rules i've and i've got no problem I, I absolutely don't think for a moment it shouldn't be in the rules what i what i took the conversation to be was sort of an assessment of how sort of ugh, how obnoxious we find it when somebody does an underarm serve because it can be obnoxious why It, uh, I should have prepared better for this rather than just saying, oh, it's a sort of intangible obnoxiousness. Um, in the same way that a, a lot of it, it has sort of a whiff of of arrogance about it, doesn't it? It has a whiff of... of... Loads of shots have that, don't they? Well, yeah, I mean, you could absolutely make the same case for the sabre. A lo- and a lot of people, you know, Boris Becker said that he thought the sabre was disrespectful, didn't he? 
I, yeah, that's true. Um, you, yeah, you could absolutely apply it. I think it is a. We I think we had this discussion. Was it French Open last year? It is in principle a very valid tactic against Nadal, but. He tried it once, Kyrgios, and it, it missed a foot long. And then he didn't try it again, which doesn't say tactic to me. It says sort of, oh, he's just gone. Oh, I'm just going to do whatever on this point. I'm just going to sort of, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sort of check it? out for a moment. Hmm. I, mean, look, I, I don't know. All... I don't know. I know. I know what I'm saying is not very scientific, but sometimes you see a thing and it just makes you go, oh, mate, don't do that. You said it depended and, on the t- on who it was and when it happened. Yeah, context. Yeah, but Roger Federer does a saber. You don't find that obnoxious. Well, I think it. I think it validly can be interpreted as obnoxious. I don't because it's. Oh, I don't know. This is awfully unscientific, isn't it? Look, I'm perfectly happy for players to do it, and I think the more players do it, the less obnoxious it will be to to do it. Do you know what I mean? But some things are within the rules, but they're just generally, you know, there are there are sort of understandings in sport, aren't there? No, I, d- I just like, don't buy like it. not I taking an injury it. time out before your opponent serves. That's within the mm. rules. Yeah, okay, I, t- I accept that one. I accept that one. That, that that does appear to be something that that bothers players. I just think, you know. <laughs> Are there not any could, circumstances, David, in which you'd see an underarm serve and go, oh, no, mate? No, not at all. No, not, not at uh, all. Not any. Oh, that's interesting. No, okay. I mean, you're basically saying then that Mansour Barami has no place on the tennis tour. Oh, come um, on, David. You are. Because but he was he was denied opportunities to play tennis. And if he'd have played regularly, he'd have been playing the way he plays. Um and he did. I mean, he, played, he I think he reached a final once, didn't he? Or at least a doubles final. I'm not uh, saying that, that. I'm not saying that because I don't. Fi- does, I, I wouldn't it? find him doing it. Well, actually, I think I think John McEnroe would have found it obnoxious. <laughs> well, he did. And, <laughs> Frequently and, and, has and, done on the Champions Tour. Back in back in the days when I was on the Champions Tour, we're going back twenty years. I remember one pretty pretty heated row I got into with McEnroe. Because I said to McEnroe, he was complaining about having to play Barami. He was he was drawn in the singles group with him, and he says, "What have I got to play Barami for?" Again, you know, or he's just going to keep doing all these tricks, and it's really, oh, it really annoys me. It really irritates me when I'm trying to play a proper match. You know, it's fine in the doubles, but I don't want to play it in singles. You know, I want it to be competitive and all this. And I said to him, John, do you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see you play against Barami properly. Um, when Barami's doing all of his tricks and you're not just playing along, you're just going to try and beat him. Because I think that his tricks could really annoy you and might might make it difficult. That wasn't a very good idea <laughs> to say that to John McEnroe, who who, who subsequently beat Barami 6-love, six 6-1. Six <laughs> and, uh, and, and almost every time he hit a winner, he was turning around and saying, see, like this uh, t- towards me. Um, but... I have absolutely no problem with with Mansell Brahmi playing underarm serves, which is what he was doing. If you if you can do it and get away with it, go for it. If you can't get away with it, but you as lose I the say, point. context is everything. Mansell Brahmi isn't out there to win tennis matches. Mansell Brahmi is purely out there to to entertain. No, but when he played his career, he was trying to win tennis matches. 
but in a in a it was you know it was Monfils times ten, wasn't it? It was I'd like to win, but more importantly, I'd like to entertain people. But but I would have no problem. I, look, if if Monfils, for instance, played that sort of rope a dope type tennis he did against Djokovic and was winning, and it was irritating his opponent into submission by hitting drop shot returns every single time and underarm serves every other serve, I would have no issue with it whatsoever. Okay. Yeah, I just mean, tennis. It's just another type of tennis, and that, I mean, look, Kyrgios did it a, to a but, certain but then degree. The, the more the the more widespread it becomes, the less obnoxious incidents of it will be. Oh, I don't find. I just don't find it obnoxious. Fine, at all. Uh, anyway, I just, well, I yeah, yeah. You're a slice and dicer, though. I am, and I, and my victory against Solihull Simon was the first time. Oh, I really in, didn't mean to set you up for that. <laughs> yeah, the first time that I've ever played where I accepted my slice and dice game. Yeah, hang on, did you beat him outright, or did you just take a set? I won a set. Right. So when you say set. when I beat Solihull Simon, that's all right. Well, when that's I won a set. That, that's misleading, isn't it? Well, I already beat him. Love six one four retired. So all right. Well, this is my first proper set that I've won. Okay. Um, and I accept my slice and dice game for what it is, uh, i.e. I am not good enough to play the tennis that I have in my head, which is how I've been playing for the last 25 years, which is trying to play proper tennis and just not being good enough to play it. So rather than play that, I've played what I can do. And actually, I, I was a way better player <laughs> um, because I finally accepted it. And no yeah. longer will I be trying to go for massive forehands and big backhands. I, I guess I just I'm imagining a scenario where... Uh, it's you know for all I'm locked locked in battle at for all with my brother I mean obviously this is a fantasy because that's never going to happen uh, and it's been you know real rollicking good match winner 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 great and then he underarm serves me I'm standing two metres behind the baseline to receive his whopping big six foot six serve and then he underarm serves me and he wins the point and that's great and good luck to him um but I would forevermore like him a tiny bit less from that moment <laughs> onwards. Well, at least and you're honest. And that's why it's a little bit obnoxious. That well, ne- that's never honest. happened, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I still like my brother. But, there you go, Matt. Um, I think you can pull it off. Yeah. All right. Uh, a few other headlines before we go, because uh, Catherine's literally about to get on a plane uh, one sleep away to go to Indian Wells uh, to be a big, a big, a big, Star on telly. Um, it's uh, Cameron Norrie who's reached the semi-finals in Acapulco. That's his uh, best ever result at a 500. I think he goes into the top 50, the British player. Uh, the Zverev brothers went on to win the doubles. That's, that was a good result for them. Uh, the women's event, uh, Yafan Wang Yafan beats Sophia Kennan in the final. Indian Wells challenger is currently being contested by a, a Mr. Kyle Edmund against Andre Rublev, um, which... Also featured Dan Evans to the semi-finals before he lost to Rublev. But quite important, I think, for Edmund to have got these few wins under his belt. I mean, I think it is a bit a bit weird that he's a, a top 30 player who's allowed to play in a challenger. I, I'm not quite sure how... I didn't think that was allowed, to be honest. I thought they had to play a 500 if they were in the same week. But uh, maybe I've got my, rule, my rules wrong there. Um, but yeah, don't you think it's quite he, important for him to have got a few matches? I, I mean, he hadn't won a match this year. Had he? No, that's right. So, no, so he's, he's still yet yet to win a tour level match this year. So, um, 
Yeah, huge, huge in that context. He needed that. Uh, Sao Paulo, uh, Guido Pella has won the title, beating Christian Garin. Uh, and also, Naomi Osaka has hired her coach. It is not Sven Groneveld, <laughs> uh, much as I, I hoped that it might be, just to save face. But in the end, it turned out to be Jermaine Jenkins, the former hitting partner of Venus Williams, who I think only just got given a job at the USTA about two months ago. Um, so anyway, that's who Naomi Osaka has hired as a coach. And uh, I'm, uh, John Wertheim of Sports Illustrated actually said, expressed surprise that Osaka hadn't gone for somebody that had had already won, you know, with a, with a, a top player. And I said, well, my immediate reaction was, well, yeah, but she's already a winner. So... I don't. Th- it's not like yeah. she needs somebody to hand her the key to unlock this, you know, far yeah. off treasure chest. You know, it's 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 something she already knows how to do. And I'd have thought she just wants to keep have somebody who's just going to make her feel good to be around. Really. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. Uh, David Goffin is back with Thomas Johansson. I, I suspect that will uh, be a good uh, partnership. I um, it was on the same flight to Australia with Thomas Johansson. No, you weren't. You thought you were. No, I, but, you but, 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 but then I took the picture and I showed you and you said, yeah, that's definitely Thomas Johansson. Except that it wasn't him because you said it, he had an Essex accent. I know, but I must have got it wrong, honestly. <laughs> You've seen the picture. If that's on a flight <laughs> to Australia, like four days before the Australian Open, he was absolutely anatomically identical in every way to Thomas Johansson. <laughs> Everybody's got a doppelganger, haven't they? Except uh, that, he, he, yeah, he's spoken an Essex accent, but <laughs> I, uh, maybe he was just throwing people off the scent because, you know, <laughs> maybe he, he, he would otherwise identity. be inundated with autograph hunters. I don't know, right. but I, I I feel mostly confident that I was on the plane with Thomas Johansson. Okay, who are you going to be on the plane with tomorrow, I wonder? Uh, find out next week here on the Tennis Podcast. Um, we have a, a Fed Cup draw of Great Britain against Kazakhstan at the Copper Box Arena in London. And it's very cool. Yes, and I've never been there, I don't think. And so that would be interesting. It was one of the um, Olympic venues for anyone that yes. isn't familiar with the Box of Copper. Yes, and a final little news item that uh, Matt has put down here for us. Justin Gimmelstob case postponed again. Um, there were reports that he'd entered a guilty plea, but Gimmelstob has denied those. It turned out that those were not correct. Uh, and Gimmelstob says, I maintain my innocence and will only con- consider a contest plea. So we'll we'll find out um, in due course uh, what happens with Justin Gimmelstob's case. So, Catherine, uh, go and have your final toothbrushing experience with your electric toothbrush. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa. It's the night before two toothbrushing experiences david right. i'm not a monster <laughs> okay yes well I, I agree uh and uh have those two and then pack it and then off you go uh travel well i hope you have a fantastic time in indian wells uh, um and we will still have you on the tennis podcast won't we try and keep me away Hey, excellent. Catherine Whittaker here on the Tennis Podcast presenting Prime Video's coverage of Indian Wells over the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, make sure you tune in and, and cheer her along because, you know, she needs your backing and she'll be brilliant. Uh, and we will be back with another show next week. 
in association with the Telegraph executive produced by TennisBalls.com with our mascot, Rio with a Y. Check him out, by the way, on our Instagram page. We have have posted a a few facts and, and little tidbits of information about Rio with a Y. He's a cool dog. Check him out. We'll be back again next week. See you then. 